You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. First Corinthians chapter 6, if you would. Everybody awake tonight? I see a lot of yawning going on out there. Woke up late from your afternoon nap in your comfy chair and just kind of groggy still. It's all right. I have, uh, there's an illustration I have tonight. We're all going to do jumping jacks, so it'll be fine. Like, are you serious? No, I'm not serious. All right, stand with me if you would. I'll just have you stand and sit over and over again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to drop down to verse number 19 and read the last two verses of the chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19. The Bible says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege we have of coming to church and hearing your word preached, hearing your word opened and read. Lord, I just pray that everything that is said this evening from this pulpit will be honoring and glorifying to you, uh, be helpful to your children to help us become more like you and serve you and love you. Lord, I sure do love you, sure do appreciate you. I pray that you bless this service tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I have a, a sermon tonight that I kind of prepared. I've preached, taught something similar to it before. Um, my wife has even stole it at one point for a ladies' meeting. So if, if you were at a ladies' meeting, I don't know, probably a couple years ago that my wife spoke at, she stole this from me, which I stole from someone else, obviously. Um, so it, I've taught it before in, a, in a, a version of it, and my wife has as well. And as I was preparing for this week, um, and having a few couple messages to have to preach. It was one of the ones God just kept having me go back to it. Uh, it just kept coming up in my mind. I hadn't, haven't really re- reviewed it in quite a while, but it just kept coming up in my mind. And so I decided to crack it open, look at it, and do some more studying on it and kind of re- redo it for, for this evening. Um, and I think hopefully it'll be a blessing to you and, and a help to you. Um, the two, ooh, I just got really deep. The two uh, verses, I can hear myself better up here, I think is what happened. The two verses that we read tonight are probably something you've, you're familiar with. Familiar with those two verses. There have been many sermons and messages preached from those two verses many times. Um, a lot of truth there. A lot of truth. And we're going to focus on the very end of verse number 19. It says, ye are not your own. Uh, and it does have some ties into this morning's service uh, sermon just a little bit. There'll be some correlation there, and uh, as a lot of times it is. But we're going to start first with a little kind of an illustration. I might need some participation, so hopefully we got some volunteers here. So Stephen, if you want to bring up that, uh, that piece of, I guess it's a virtual paper, blank sheet of paper. And at the top, as a title, I want you to write, so I'm, we're going to say things. I'm going to say things, he's going to write what I say. All right, and it'll, it'll go somewhere. So just right at the top, if you can center it, great. If not, don't worry about it. I didn't prepare you for that. Just write, I am, at the top. I am. And then enter or return down. So <clears throat> what we're going to talk about tonight is the title of the, of the message is The Truth About You. 
The truth about you. So we start, what I want to do here is just kind of let's talk about who, who are you? Who, who am I? And we'll use me as an example because I'm here. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll just write things that I am underneath I am. So attributes, you know, you know so start off with handsome. Just write that one up there first. Right? Right, Lisa? She's like, huh? Yeah. Thumbs up. Okay. So we're, the very first thing we're going to write up there is handsome. Handsome. Right. Oh, let's see. <laughs> he was all worried about misspelling things. It's fine. Uh, handsome. So, I, you know, right? I'm not proud at all. Or, or truth or telling the truth. Um, some other things that I am. I'm a, I'm a father. Right? Father. Um, I'm a husband. Uh, let's see. I'm a friend. See, we could say uh, I'm a, I guess a, a boss. A boss. I work where I work. I'm the boss. So I'm the boss. Um, let's see. I'm a teacher. I'm a Sunday school teacher. Um, you'll, yep. Uh, see, Eric, you like this one. I'm Dutch. So write that up there. That's important. Because if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. Right. That's right. Sorry for those of you whose nationalities don't rhyme with something. <laughs> uh, let's see. Some other things that I am. Um, I have mostly brown hair, some grayish brown hair. So we'll say uh, salt and pepper hair. Let's write that down. Salt and pepper. I'll take that. Hair. So you see where I'm going? Things that I am. Not just, not just titles I hold, but the things about me. Right? I'm 6'1". I can put that up there. 6'1". Uh, let's see, we can, we can be, we could be about all, anyone, all of our things, all of our accomplishments. So I'm a college graduate, okay, big deal, graduated college. Yeah, it was Bible college, I know, but still. Okay, there was way too much laughter on the second part of that. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see here, um, some other characteristics. Um, I'm hilarious. You could just write funny, it's hard to spell hilarious. Yeah, he, he went for it. Uh, let's see, I have glasses, right? So my seeing is uh, impaired. We'll say that. Uh, what else? Um, what are some other things about me? Lisa, you got anything you want to shout out? I'm a son, a brother. Yeah, we have some laughter going. What? Old. I mean, you're not wrong. Christopher says old. You got to write it up there. He's, he's the one that's at least willing to volunteer some information. Old. Yeah, old. That's good. What, el- what else could we say that, that I am? Take your shots. Now's your chance. It's open floor. Go. Friendly. Okay, we'll say friendly. Throw friendly up there. Um, a Vikings fan. Right? Which they weren't winning when we left. Okay. What are some other things? You can say them about yourself. What are some things that, you, that define who you are? And that's, that's kind of the project we want to do here. Things that define us. Right? Things that define us. A Christian. I probably should put that first. A Christian. Put that up there. All caps. On that. Thank you. Oh, an editor is really good to have an editor. This is great. A Christian. What, what are some other things that you could even describe yourself? Some things that you are or some things that are attributes of who we are. Faithful, there's an attribute. Who else? Anybody got anything? Nice. My daughter says I'm nice. She hasn't been in trouble in a while. That's good. 
Generous, generous, okay. Good. What are, what are some other things? I'm not. I feel like everyone's complimenting me. That's not what I'm necessarily looking for. But this is working out really well. I feel really good about myself. A good speaker. A good speaker. So these are all things that you know. I, whether I claim them or not, they're attributes of us, right? And we can put up physical attributes. We can put up our accomplishments, like college graduate, sports accomplishments that we've had, we, things that we enjoy that make us who we are, our hobbies, right? If I were an avid hunter, which I am not, I would put hunting up there, right? I'm a hunter. I'm an avid outdoor, outdoorsman, right? Things like that. If I were Andrew, I'd be like, I have a great beard. Things like that. I'd put things that are attributes of who I am that make me me. Right? And so when you think of, again, at the top it says I am, and then all the things that I am, characteristics, accomplishments, character traits, uh, even physical appearances, things that define when you think of me specifically here, if when you think of Chad Viss, these might be some things that would come up, and you guys are all way too kind to say all those things. But when people think of you, and when you think of you, when you define who you are as a person, on this earth, what are the things that you would list? If you're honest with yourself, right? We, I might not put all these really nice things about myself. I might be a little more critical of myself. But what are the things, when you think about who you are, if I were to ask you, and when I've done this lesson before, if you were in the youth group that year, you all got pieces of paper. And I made you all write down things that you were in that and in that lesson you sat and we gave you like 10 minutes and we all wrote things down so if you had a piece of paper in front of you like this and I asked you to write down who are you what are some things you would write down and that's those are the things I want you to think about that define who you are so again remember the title is the truth about you and the 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 verses we read about how we're not our own we're bought with a price so we'll take we'll leave that up there for now but we'll Take a pause on that, and we'll come back to that here in a little bit. So when we think about the culture we live in, the world we live in, we live in a very me-centered world, don't we? We live in a very selfish, inner-looking culture. The world is always telling you to look at you, to be the best that you can be, to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps type ideal. The culture we live in reinforces that philosophy nonstop. And we as humans in our natural sinful state, that's just naturally we are prideful, right? And am I not even prideful? I'm the best there is at everything I do, but just I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good person. I'm not really that bad. Overall, I'm pretty good. And most people would think that about themselves. And the culture will reinforce that. You know, you can do anything you set your mind to, right? Uh, As long as you're happy, you do whatever you want that's all that matters. Your happiness is what matters. As long as you're happy, go for it, right? That's kind of the philosophy the world has. And these two phrases, which I loathe right here, is you do you. I I cringe every time I hear that, but that's one that's used often. You do you or live your truth. That's another real good one that the world likes to throw out there. You live, live your truth. Right? Whatever you think is best, whatever, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, whatever you think is best, whatever makes you happy, whatever is good for you, go for it. Regardless of right, wrong, anything else in between, you do you live your truth. 
The problem with that, right, there's a lot of problems with that. One of the main problems with that is what is truth, right? If we don't have a bar set for truth or truth varies depending on the situation, then living your truth could be terrible. It could be good, but it could be really bad. And that's the problem with the culture and the way the world lives and and views life as just living your truth and as if that's a good thing. But we as Christians know that there's something called absolute truth. There is a line that is true and it doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter what's going on. It's just this is the truth, period. And for us, that comes from here. That comes from God's word. And so when we as Christians look at the truth about who we are or the truth about anything in life, it should and it must come from God's word. That's where it needs to begin. That's where truth is. And that's where you base your life and your truth off of God's truth. And that's how you live a life that is not you doing you, but you doing what's right. And you doing what God says. You doing what's biblical. But the culture in our world doesn't view life that way. And even sometimes we can slip into not viewing life that way. When I originally taught this, this was to teenagers. And teenagers, I mean, you're learning. You're growing. You're deciding what you believe. If what mom and dad believe is real or if you're just going to believe it because they believe it. Or if you're going to believe it because you believe it. And so as I went through this with the teenagers, it was you know, discovering what truth is and laying that foundation. But it's really not much different for us as adults. Truth is still truth, whether you're 15 or 55. Truth is still truth. And that's where we want to start from. So being focused on ourselves and having a self-centered view and just doing what we want to do and living the way we want to live is us living our truth or us doing us. You do you. And as Christians, we want to avoid that kind of view of life and view of ourselves. So if we just view ourselves as doing the best we can and doing what we want to do, you know, our list of who I am is really going to be self-centered, which, I mean, my list kind of is, right? So when you think of those things, when you think of self-centered, you think of arrogant, prideful, really high and mighty on themselves, which is definitely a truth. A lot of we can be that way and the world can be that way. But there's an opposite side of that, too, that we have to be careful about. Being arrogant and prideful is obviously wrong. But there's also a problem with the opposite side of a very low self-image. Right? It's a different view of living our truth and us being us or you being you is the low self-esteem. And most likely there's many of us in here that have gone through periods of time where we have very low self-esteem, very low opinions of ourselves. I even mentioned how I'd be more critical of this list than you were of me. We, we tend to even kind of criticize ourselves harshly sometimes. Sometimes that's okay in certain aspects, but there's a point where you become so down on yourself that it's almost more prideful than being arrogant. And we don't often think that if we're so down on ourselves and we think so low of ourselves, I'm such a worthless sinner, God has saved me out of, out of hell and I'm just so bad, I'm rotten and terrible. All those things are true, we are without Christ. But when we look at ourselves and just be like, oh, I'm so bad, I can't do anything right, I just make, make messes out of everything, I don't deserve to 
you know, do this. I don't deserve to teach here. I don't deserve to lead this. I just don't deserve to be in a position to, to do things even for God. And we just view ourselves in a very overly negative way. That's also pride. That's also centering everything on me. Not in a good way, right? Not me, I'm how awesome I am, but me and how bad I am and how terrible I am. And teenagers can have problems with that. And that's where it really focuses on them, but it's not exclusive to your teen years. As adults, whether you're a parent, whether you're not a parent yet, whether your kids are moved out of the house, there are many times where you can feel kind of worthless, feel like you failed. You can maybe even have a moment in your life of weakness and you give in to sin and you feel like you're just worthless now. I gave in to sin. I made a mistake. I'm a sinner. God can't use me. He would never use me. Look at these mistakes I've made. Oh, I'm just, I'm just going to go hide in a hole and live out my days and hope I don't mess anybody else's life up. We can get into that really deep rut. And again, that's just as prideful as look how awesome I am. Go over to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Because I find it, at least as I studied and and read through and thought of these things, it was kind of a unique perspective to me that being down on yourself and maybe low self-esteem is just as prideful and arrogant as being haughty on yourself. And maybe that doesn't get talked about as often as being proud of all the good things, but being proud of who we are and just kind of focusing on us. Psalm 139, drop down to verse number 14. So this is about you, okay? This is about you. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. The psalmist here is saying, I'm going to praise you, God, because I was made by you. So do you realize you, if you're having trouble with low self-esteem or bouts of low self-esteem, and that can lead to depression and anxiety and those, we, you know, we all go up and down. It's, it's part of humanity. But if you get into those points where you're, you're low, you're down on yourself, on things around you, on who you are, the mistakes you've made, or just feeling down about your shortcomings and focusing on those things more then focusing on who God is, remember, verse 14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You're made on purpose. You are who you are because that's how God made you. You're not here by accident. You're not here with nothing to do. You're not here with just, oh, whoops, how did that happen? How did they get there? No, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you criticize yourself to a point where you just focus on the negatives about you, you're actually telling God, here in the second part, marvelous are thy works, except for this one, except for me. Marvelous is the sunset. Marvelous are the plains. Marvelous are the birds and the the beautiful snow when it falls. Marvelous are thy works that you have made, except for the one you made here. The work that that you made in me, not marvelous. So when we focus on ourselves and how bad we are and how low we've come and how just down on ourselves, we're actually very prideful in telling God that he made a mistake somewhere. And we know that's not true. We know God doesn't make mistakes. Can we make mistakes? Yes. But does that mean God's like, well, 
sweep them off the table, they've made a mistake. Of course not. If that were the case, there'd be no one left to do anything for him. Because we all make mistakes. So be careful about getting yourself to a place where you're not pridefully arrogant, but you're pridefully self-centered and low self-esteemed. It's a dangerous place to go that as Christians, I think we can get to, and we think, we almost think we're being humble. And we might mask our pride in humility and say, well, I'm just a humble person, so I'm trying to step away and step back and lower myself. I shouldn't be involved or I shouldn't do fill in the blank. But what we're really doing is we're withdrawing ourselves from something God maybe could use us to do because of our, our view of ourself is skewed. And that's where we're talking about the truth of who we are, the truth about you. Be careful that our view of yourself isn't skewed in a way that would put ourselves out of commission, out of God's ability to use. God could always use you. As long as you're breathing breath and your heart is beating blood through your body, God can use you to do something. It doesn't matter. Until you are gone, God has purpose. God has things he wants you to do. And again, it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 55 or 85 or wherever in between. God has things for you to do if you're breathing and your heart is beating. So be careful about viewing yourself in a situation that negates who he is and takes away what God has done for us. You have value because God created you. Okay? Uh, Genesis 1.31. If you want to go there, you can. I'm going to go there real quick. One verse. Genesis 1.31. I'm going to harp a little bit more on this, so hopefully you're getting it. Genesis 1.31. Bible says, And God saw everything that he had made. And by this time, he had made everything. And behold, what are the next four words? It was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. He had just got done making Adam. And he said now that he's made everything, he made human, the human race, now everything's done and it is very good. You have value because God created you. That's all the value you need. doesn't matter if your boss gives you value. doesn't matter if your spouse gives you the value you need. doesn't matter if the world gives you value. You are valuable because you are made by God. And every human being has value because they're made by God. Being a creation of God is kind of a big deal. Now we take that as Christians, especially when it comes to abortion and, and comes to the unborn child and how they have value, and they do. They're, are, they're alive and they have value, and the world places zero value on that. But when we grow, and as Christians, we can get, again, into those bouts of depression and thinking we're not worth anything, we've made mistakes, we aren't good enough... Remember, when those times come, you have value because God created you. Now imagine if the theory of evolution were true. And I use the word theory intentionally. Imagine if the theory of evolution were true. How would that affect your view of who you are? Now think about our school system. Think about the world that teaches this as fact. That evolution, that's just how we came about. We evolved into who we are. And they look at evolution, no wonder the world has problems with value on life. Because if you were just came from nothing, there's really not a whole lot special about us. It just accidentally became who we are. There's no one to serve. There's no one to worship. There's no one to glorify. We're just here for 
70-some years on average, and then we're gone. So why go around valuing things? Why value yourself? Why value those around you? Why value people that don't think the same way you think? It's live, do what you want, treat people the way you want, because who knows how long you're here for. That takes away value. But when you know and you understand and you believe that God created you, that immediately gives value that is unprecedented. It's something that this evolution doesn't bring. And it changes your worldview of people around you. That's why we don't treat people poorly. That's why when people think differently with us, we don't go break the buildings, you know, break their windows and burn their buildings down. Because we value people, right? Because God created everyone. God values all human life, sometimes even more than we value ourselves. Go to Romans chapter 8. I'm having you turn to keep you awake. Romans chapter 8. Verse number 35. One of my favorite passages of the Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse number 35. The Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And that you could feel you can't even separate yourself. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. Do you, do you understand the meaning of those verses? Do you understand the meaning of I mean, that's a list. That's a long list that encompasses pretty much everything. And the Bible says that none of those things can separate you from God's love for you specifically. Not you, the human race. Not even you, Eastside Baptist Church. But you, individual person sitting in a pew not even you your family you individually nothing can separate you from God's love nothing anybody else does nothing any power or principality or angel or death or life not even no other creature not even you can do something that will separate you from God's love for you you don't have that power And when you realize that God loves you that much, God cares and values you so highly, when you understand that, your bouts of depression, your bouts of low places in your life, they'll be a lot shorter. They'll be more spiked than leveling out, right? It's going to be a bounce back up when you realize that God loves you like that. God cares about you. God cares about what you feel. God cares about what you're going through. God is not oblivious to your hard times. God is not oblivious to your good times. He is not oblivious to the quiet inner monologue and in your heart that never comes out of your mouth thoughts of despair or fear 
or sadness. God knows all those things. He is acutely aware of every feeling, emotion, and thought you have. And he loves you and cares about you so, so much, more than we even understand, more than we can, our brains can comprehend. That's that's why we get down on ourselves, because we don't comprehend how valuable we are to God. We are valued highly. Now, before you start thinking I'm starting to promote pride again, remember our passage that we started with, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Let's go back there. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, the end of 6, 19 says, and ye are not your own. So you have great value because you're created by God, but, and, not even but, but and, you don't belong to yourself. What a great thing. Now immediately when you hear that, a lot of times we as humans go, well, yes I do. No one owns me. Can't tell me what to do. You're not my mom. Right? That's how how we usually, you guys are just tired or something. You're not my mom, got no smiles? Come on. You're not my mom, you can't tell me what to do. We like to, we buck that feeling of being controlled, of being, you know, owned by someone. Because we misunderstand what that means. When we think about it here on earth, when the brother tells the sister something, and she says, well, you can't tell me what to do, you're not mom. That's us saying, you're not in control of me because you're no better than I am. But when you realize when God is in control, and we touched on that this morning a little bit, when God's in control, there's only good things that come from that. Because again, he loves you so much that he wants you to be happy, fulfilled, joyful. He wants your life to be meaningful. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. Again, if you're still here, God has something for you to do. And he values you and has a reason for you to be here. Because you belong to him. So again, about this morning, what's your goal or desire for your life? What does your future look like? The world has taught us that our life belongs to us. The world has taught us that. The culture has said your life belongs to you. And we've even bought into that lie at some points maybe in our life. But the reality is if we are created by God, then we don't possess our life. It belongs to him. He created us. And not only did he create us, okay, you ready for this? Are you ready? I don't know if you're ready. God created us, but he also bought us. When the human race made the mistake of sin and we began to be born into sin, God made a plan to not just create us, but then to buy us back with his sacrifice. So you're created by God and then he loved us so much He's like, well, they're gone without something. I can't let them be here without holiness. I can't allow sin to be here. So I guess I'll buy them back too. So it's like taking something of yours to a garage sale, right? You're going to sell your stuff at a garage sale. Someone buys it, right? You got, I don't know, I think of uh, some tool you had, right? I've got a really nice drill, right? And I sold it at a garage sale because I got a nicer one. Sell it at a garage sale really cheap. Great, made some money. The next year, I'm out at garage sales because who, you know, garage sale people that sell things usually go to garage sales to buy things. I'm at the garage sale across town and I find this really cool drill. Man, that looks like a drill I used to have. I'm going to buy that drill right back. Right? It's I had the drill. I lost the drill. In this case, he sold it. God didn't sell us, but he lost it. And then I just bought it back because I liked that drill so much. God loved us so much that he created us. 
And then when we sinned and we failed, we messed up, God said, I love them so much that I'm going to go sacrifice my son and buy them back. That's value, folks. That's value on who you are. God values you. So the decisions that we make in our life and how we're going to live our life, how I'm going to do things, how my future is going to be, and even how my present is going to be, shouldn't just go through the filter of what I think. Right? Because I make mistakes. I make bad choices. I make bad decisions. Right? The things that I want to do, decisions that I make in my life, should go through the filter of truth. The filter of scripture. The filter of wisdom of those that are older and wiser than us. Counselors that we have. Just because we've gotten old, right, Christopher, doesn't mean we always make the right decisions. It still means we should seek counsel from people that are wise, from people that God have put, has put in our life that have wisdom, that have authority. Pastor is a great example of that. And you probably have other people in your life that have authority and have wisdom, have experience. doesn't matter how old you are. You, didn't fig- you haven't figured everything out. And it's wise to seek counsel on decisions that you make in your life because your life is not your own. Right? We are bought with a price. God paid a, a blood price for us. And for us to go around acting as if we're pretty big stuff and live our life the way we want to live it is saying, yeah, thanks for creating me. Thanks for buying me back, but I got this. I'm good. I'm good. I can figure it out. Thanks and everything, but you know, I'm all right. I'm going to go do this. And here we are to what we talked about this morning, serving mammon and gain and things that make us happy. So God didn't just make us, he bought us. So we, for a certainty, do not belong to ourselves. People often buck against being told that they don't belong to themselves, right? They, they fear that their life will become miserable because they have no say in what their life is. They have no input. That's the view that we might have sometimes when we say we don't belong to ourselves. But when you realize who God is, as I mentioned already, and realize how he feels about you, for you or for us to say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to give everything to God. I don't know if I'm willing to serve him all the way. I don't know if I'm willing to be bought and owned by him because I'm not really sure that he has my best interests in mind. It means we've missed the point. It means we've, we've no relationship there. Right? And if we've, you get to that point, and again, this applies to teenagers a lot, probably a little bit more than adults, but it, it definitely applies to adults. If you get to a point that that's your attitude about giving yourself over to God, serving him, understanding you're bought with a price, I'm guessing there's a problem with your relationship with him. You probably don't know him very well. Or you've grown apart from him. Because when you get to know God, really, not just from sermons, not just from Sunday school, but when you, on a Tuesday afternoon or a Tuesday morning get to know God as a person and you understand who he is and you have a relationship with him, you don't fear those types of things. You don't buck the control, quote unquote. You accept it because you know how he views you and you know the help you need and you know things will be a lot better if I accept and gladly accept that God owns me and cares enough about me to want to be involved in my life. The relationship is what makes that sweet. 
right? That's the opposite of, I don't want to be controlled. You're not my mom. You can't tell me what to do. But when you know God and you have a relationship with him, it's not that feeling at all. It's not get off of me. It's, yeah, I get it. I want to be owned. I want to be owned. When we realize it's better to let God be in charge of our life, we actually better understand our value and who we are because we see ourselves the way God sees us. So let's go back to our list that has fallen asleep up here. Oh, look at that. He centered it and everything. Amazing. So now I'm going to start going through some things, and you'll have, hopefully you can keep up up there. I'm going to go through, through some things, and as I, as I mention things that fall under this category, just we want to delete them. Okay, so we'll go through, so as I, as I say things, we'll just get rid of what they are. I'll take categories, and we'll kind of delete these categories and see what we're left with. So um, any care, like physical trait. If they're a physical trait of, of a person, we're just going to delete those off. So glasses, we'll get rid of those. Um, I don't know if I have any other physical traits up there. Old, yeah, old, get rid of old. Let's get that one out. 6-1, get one that out of here. Get rid of my hair. Yep, that's physical traits. These are things that define me when you look at me. Uh, so those are some things that are gone. Let's get rid of next relationships, right? Things that define me as my relationship. So let's... Yeah, okay, yep, there's a physical trait. You could have left that one up to the end, but all right, whatever. <laughs> Father, husband, friend, boss, teacher. Uh, you know, these are, these are relationships, boss, these relationships that I have that define who I am. Uh, son, brother. So these are relationships. They, those don't define me, right? My physical attributes, they don't define me. My, my, you know, my relationships, they don't define me. Uh, we'll go through, let's do some, you know, uh, personality traits. So funny, friendly, um, nice, generous, faithful, good speaker would be another attribute. Get rid of some of those things. I think you see where we're going here a little bit, right? Uh, so let's, let's get rid of our nationality, right? Dutch doesn't make me anything, right? That's just... So my heritage, but it doesn't make anything. A college graduate, again, Bible college graduate even more so. That doesn't mean nothing, right? Uh, Vikings fans, get rid of that. Please, as quickly as possible. I don't even know the score, and that's okay. And even Christian. Being a Christian doesn't even really define me. So as we delete all those things, and we get rid of all these things that, that, that we looked at and said, these are things that I would say define who I am as a person. What are we left with? Say it. What are we left with right there? What are the two words? I am. Who is I am? God. God is I am. He is the one that calls himself I am. So when you look at yourself for who you really are and the things that define you as a person and you take away all these things that don't actually define you, all that you're left with is God. God is the one that defines us. This is, this is the truth about you. The truth about you is not all your talents. The truth about you is not your looks. The truth about you is not your characteristics or your personality traits or the good or bad things about you. That's not the truth about you. The truth about you is that you are God's. The truth about you is that he loves you and made you exactly how you are because you are exactly what he needs 
to be and do something specific. You can do things I can't do because you're you and I'm not. I can do things you can't do because I'm me and you're not. So don't compare yourself to others. Don't compare yourself to being good or bad enough. Understand that you are who you are on purpose because God made you that way because there's something for you to do. You're either going to be the mom your kids need, the dad your kids need, the friend your friends need, the witness somebody needs. There are people that you could reach that I could never reach because of your life experience, because of the things, even the mistakes you've made can make you be able to reach people for Christ that would never give me the time of day. So realize that when you list all your attributes and who you are, The truth about you is not all those things. The truth about you is that God made you the way you are on purpose. Exactly how he wanted you to be. To bring him glory. To tell others about his love. To live your life the best way you can for him. That's the truth about you. That's the truth about you. So when we start looking at ourselves the way God looks at us and start living our life in a way that glorifies him because of how he looks at us. And again, going back to this morning, doing everything as unto the Lord. If everything you do, if everyone you talk to, if everyone you come across, if every idle thought and idle word is done to glorify God, you will be serving him and you'll understand the truth about who you are. And that's the truth. And we often overlook it. And we complicate it. And we try to do it on our own. We try to do it under our own will. And I'm going to do better this time. And I'm going to double down on this and work harder. When you don't realize it's God that wants you to be you. And he wants you to look, for, look to him to become that way. All right, let's everyone head bowed, every eye closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.